as a reminder, um, for the past few weeks, and we got a few weeks more, um, we are uh, working through a series based on the book, I Am a Church Member. And um, so that we were giving away this book to you. So if you don't have a copy, I encourage you to pick one up on your way out today. And um, as we do an overview uh, here in our messages, then you can go and spend that week and read the chapter that it was based on. And the, the, the goal and the purpose is for us to understand why it is that we do the things that we do is if we're going to come to church and and we talk about church membership what does that look like uh what does that mean to us and 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 what should that 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 uh, how we work that out in is our relationship with jesus christ so i want to encourage you to to gather and uh, to grab that book on your way out today we're going to be in the book of ephesians be in Ephesians chapter 5 here this morning. But as we get started, um, I'm curious if you have ever just sat and thought about how you became the person that you are today. Have you ever just said and contemplated? I know we move really fast here in the U.S. We go from one thing to another. And I know this is true for me. I often don't spend enough time um, just kind of sitting and quiet and thinking about and uh, you know where I am and what God has for me and my life and my family or even how we got here. So I'm wondering if you have had the opportunity to think about that or, or think about the things that you're into, the things that you like and enjoy in, in your life, the things that you like to do. Maybe you're into cars, you know, maybe you're into to fashion. Uh, maybe you like me and you're into food like uh, what what influenced you to really think about and enjoy those types of things in your life or maybe you have a recipe that you're known for people just can't wait like for the holiday season for you to make that special cake or pie or uh, whatever it is um, maybe you have a recipe that's been passed down from generation to generation that people are enjoying because you are able to, to do it. You know, I mentioned last week how we got to spend some time with my side of the family, who we haven't seen for the past couple years. And it, for me, it was a, really a reminder of who I am and where I came from, being able to spend time with my 90-year-old grandfather, who I just adored growing up, and I still do, and just wanted to always pattern myself after him. I was always underfoot <laughs> when, when I was around him, and so it was good just to spend time. And, you know, spend time with my, my parents, of course, they shaped me and mold me. And, you know, if you didn't know any different, you would think I was just a carbon copy of my dad just the way we uh, look, talk, walk, and, and you know, so it, even the way we operate, so he, we, don't, we don't do anything surface level. We go deep on like everything. So we get a thought or idea, we see something new, uh, we, we get into it and we research, research, research so that we can know the insides and outs. And it's just comforting for me to kind of see like, wow, that's where I get that from. It's good and bad. There's some things, you know, some bad habits that I think we all pick up from folks that are around us. But even for me, when I think about and reminisce, uh, you know, about the people that came before me, I think about my my grandmother, who I would sit with and 
she would read scripture to me. I'd read it to her when I was a kid, and she would help me to memorize scripture. Or, you know, my grandparents on my mother's side would go to church together with them many Sundays. And, uh, and, and I just remember those days fondly. I don't think I looked at them fondly at the time. But when I look back on them, I realize and understand those things really built a foundation for me for who I am today. Uh, you know, frankly, wouldn't I don't know if I would be a pastor today if my grandparents hadn't taken the time for me just to help me to understand who Jesus is and what he's done for me at a really early age. And I know some of you have that similar testimony that you have people in your life that have just, they love the Lord so much and they wanted you to know that same Jesus. And I praise God for that. Some of you, that might not be the case. Some of you, uh, this might be your first church experience and so you're still getting to know who Jesus is and, and how you, you get to know him, how you live out his, his wants and desires for you in your life. And that's, that's good, too. And especially if you have children, we need to understand that that, that, that foundation is built at home. You know, just like I just talked to you about, you know, the, the, the impression that I had from my parents and grandparents and so forth. Within life lessons certainly were very key. Like I learned to be a hard worker. I learned, you know, how, how to, to read and, and study and, and all that kind of stuff. That stuff is great. But most importantly, there's nothing more important than getting to know Jesus. And that starts at home. Like You can't outsource it to me. Because I'm not there with you and your family all week. You know, so this is very important as we talk about this here today, what this looks like. Our church membership, the, the, the direction of this church, the, the impact that this church has on Bolingbrook and the greater committee, uh, community, it starts with you at home. We're only going to be as effective as you are at home. If you don't read scripture, if you're not praying, you're not doing any of these things outside of the one hour that we spend together, we're going to fall short. We're going to fall short of what God has called us here to do. Look with me in your copy of God's Word, Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to pick up in verse 15. Here it says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. This, I don't know about you, but this, this speaks to me very clearly. And we, we fill our time with so many different things these days. And it's easy to, to get sidetracked. It's easy to start focusing on all the wrong things. But Paul knew what we needed to hear. And he, he tells, to, tells us to the Ephesians, the Lord is speaking to this, this to us today. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as the unwise, making the best use of the time because the days are Evil. Paul here wants us to have a sense of urgency in our lives. 
And we just can't stand by and let life pass us by. It's funny how we, we have this phrase, thank goodness it's Friday. It's like we spend Monday through Thursday waiting until Friday comes and we miss the whole week. We were so wrapped up in everything. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday comes and goes and we start all over again. Not taking advantage of and making the best use of the time. It's so important to us because Paul says it. The, this, this, the days are evil. In the span of eternity, the days are going to continue to be difficult. They're going to continue to be evil. So we need to keep high standards. We just can't let all our time be spent on, on TikTok or, or even watching the news or doing your Netflix and chill. We got to make sure we're intentionally spending our time on things that are important. We need to use wisdom and do good wherever we can so that we can combat the ills of the world. The times are going to be hard. The times are going to be tough. And, and we need God's people to stand up. We need God's people to stand firm and speak what God speaks. Look with me in verse 18. It says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making the melody to the Lord with all your hearts. Don't get mad at me. This is what Scripture says. Don't get drunk with wine. It says getting drunk is debaucherous, or we might say reckless. The NLT translate this as it will ruin your life. That's how bad getting drunk, doing drugs, being out of control, being out of your mind is. It will ruin your life. If you get drunk or high, most experience most people experience this euphoria. Uh, they they want to they might have a long day and they just want to escape, and so they fill their their bodies with this 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 toxin, and they just want to get away. They want to forget about it. And they get this euphoric uh, feeling that is going on. But let me tell you something. It's temporary. You probably know this. If you've experimented with any of these things, you you might be able to forget about it for a time. And then reality sets back in and things get tough. And if you consume too much, then, then you black out and you don't even remember the good time you supposedly had. Or let's talk about the next day. The next day is really tough, isn't it? I've been there. I know I've always been a pastor. The next day is, is, is harsh. The headaches and the sickness and everything that comes. And you pay dearly when you drink in excess. And it is not worth it. Because yeah. then reality just sets back in. And you're back to square one. With a headache and sickness. So don't go there. Paul says, instead, be filled with the Spirit. And I love how he brings this in. So instead of being under the influence of drugs and alcohol, what he says is we should instead be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. He says that we should go and let the Word drive us. We let Scripture control us instead of these toxins that we put in our body. That's, that's interesting, isn't it? 
That instead of putting these foreign things in our body and trying to, to do something on our own, we should go to the Holy Spirit who, who fills us. And if we would continually walk in the Spirit, then we can have the mind of Christ that dominates everything. So when we think we're having a, a bad day, we can, we can see it in the light of Christ that, hey, this is temporary. This might be the cross I have to bear today, but the Holy Spirit is going to see me through. So I don't have to, 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 to dull this down and do other things. When we're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, we don't have to be concerned with how much we consume when we're under the influence. So what, what does the Holy Ghost hangover look like? That's the question. Galatians 5 and 22 tells us, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against these things, there is no law. There is no prohibition. You, you, you can blow as, as, as high as you can on this test and you'll be okay. We should be filled. We should be influenced by the Holy Spirit. We need to continually submit ourselves to him daily and draw on the on power that only he can give. You can't do it on your own. And as we're high in the spirit, what naturally comes out is, is reflected in what we put in. You know, so we're consumers, right? We're consuming all these things and a lot of that stuff ain't good. And what you put into you comes out of you. So you want to be sure that you're being filled by the Spirit, which means that it comes out in, in a joyful praise through singing and making various melodies. Wouldn't that be something? That you meet other Christian folk and they just have a smile on their face and walk in there singing hymns and psalms. And, man, wouldn't they be great to be around? Well, let me know who, who they are and I want to hang out with them. Those people who are so filled or influenced by the Spirit, they just can't contain themselves. And it just comes out of their pores because they're their love of Christ and what he's done. These are folks that I wouldn't mind to be surrounded by. Look with me in verse 20. I'm going to start in, uh, not only singing in, in melodies to the Lord in your heart, but always giving thanks for everything to, to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks for everything. Like I said, bad days will come. We're, we'll all have bad days. Um, yesterday, I, <laughs> I got some bad customer service, and I had to really think about, like, Lord, I, I need you to, to, to continue to sanctify my tongue because this, this dude is just not being nice. I'm like, I just, I want to say some things I know I shouldn't say, but Lord, <laughs> I, I'm going to rely on you. And, uh, well, it still didn't turn out well, but I, 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 I took a step in obedience and it took all, all the Holy Spirit in me to respond, but we will still have bad days and we need to decide how it is that we're gonna respond. Because I don't know if I'll ever see this guy again, but God forbid his testimony be with it. That guy was a pastor and he talked to me that way. That guy called himself a, a Christian and he treated me in that way. He's just like everybody else. We as Christ followers, should look like Christ, just like our parents influenced us, and we have certain traits from our parents and grandparents, 
we should start looking like our Heavenly Father. That we should take on characteristics and traits of our Heavenly Father, but in order for that to happen, we got to spend time with Him. I'm, I'm like my, my earthly father because all the time we spent together growing up, I got to see how He responded to different things, and He was there to teach me and walk me through some things. But if you don't spend time with the Heavenly Father, you're probably not going to look much like Him. You're probably not going to reflect how he would have you to react to life's challenges. But when things happen to us, we tend to think, well, why is this happening to me? Why, Lord, why? We see this reflected in many of the Psalms when, when David's like, why me, why? I'm like, yeah, I get you, David. I say that often. But David always comes back and he reflects on, well, this is why. I know the Lord. I know he's good. I know he's gracious. And this is what we need to think. But instead, we want to get through. We want to get over these bad times as quickly as possible. We just like, uh, just forget it. Let's get through it. Let's grind it out. And we, 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 we think like, why is this happening to me? Instead, I think we should be thinking, this is happening for me. And so you don't want to miss that lesson you don't want to miss that blessing that that happens when you're going through a storm you want to get what God's trying to teach you and not just get through it the reality is that God is he's there he's taking care of you and he's he's going to help you through those situations he's going to carry you through all these things and it's not because these uh, circumstances then we're not going to thank God for the circumstances still we just thank God that he's there thank God that he's faithful thank God that he's good and he's going to see us through. Thank God for the refinement, for us going through the fire, for getting to the other side. So that now we can have a testimony of how good he is. That I can always rely and trust on him because I've, I've been through some bad things. I've been through some challenges and struggles. And this is how the Lord has shown up. We see it in the annals of scripture all the way through. We see how God has always been there for his people. Time after time. Working the miraculous. They say miracles don't happen today. I tell you what, it was a miracle that held my tongue yesterday. God is always at work. He is always doing for his people. The reality is that God in his perfect love for you is he's going to do he's going to he's going to see you through whatever is coming your way Romans 8 and 28 says for we know that those who love God all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose and think about it remember that so next time maybe you're going through something now or the next time you go through life's challenges remember the God that you serve Remember that he's there and that he's faithful and he will see you through. Sometimes I get excited like, man, this is really heavy. This is, I can't believe this is happening right now, but I can't wait to get on the other side. Man, all the things that the Lord is going to show me and the, when I get to share it with some people, maybe somebody else will go through the same thing that I can be a blessing to them for. So verse 20 says, give me thanks always for everything to God the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and himself is Savior. For the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Don't turn off on me. Listen up. These days we tend to stiffen up when we hear the word submit. So much so that um, people just don't say it anymore. Even in, in churches, people that don't like to even talk about this verse because people think some type of way about it. Folks sitting there like, I'm not submitting to anybody. I don't care what you say. Talk telling me to submit to somebody. Who, you think, who they think they are. But the reality is that we submit to people all the time. You submit to your boss at work. You submit to stop signs on the street. You see some, some red flashing lights behind you. You're going to submit to that police officer as they pull you over. We submit to governing authorities, and Romans 13 and 1 tells us to do so. So then within families, wives submit to their husbands and children honor their parents. Let's drill into this a little bit. We're going to park here for just a moment because I want us to really get this and understand what that means and looks like for us in our, our lives, for us in our families, and in our church. So I want to first be clear that from the beginning of the Bible, it expresses that the wife is equal to her husband. They're, they're equal in their being as they're both made in God's image. and They're both heirs together of eternal life. Starting in even in, in the book of Genesis 1 and 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So it's important that we know and understand how God created us. So if you call yourself a Christian and model your, model your life after Christ, even he submitted himself to the Father. Christ submitted to the Father. Also remember that God the Son is equal to God the Father, but still we see Christ submitting to his Father's will. That's the model that we have to look at and look forward to. So when you submit to God, you become more willing to obey his command and submit to others. In a marriage relationship, both husband and wives are called to submit. The wife will willingly follow her husband's leadership in Christ, and the husband will put aside his interests in order to care for his wife. Submission is, is hardly an issue when we look at this biblically, where both partners have a strong relationship with Christ and where each is concerned for the happiness of others. If you've got Christ at the center and you're striving for that, everything else seems to fall in place. Everything seems to, to start to, to go and you're, you're driven and drawn to do what Christ has called you to do, how to live it out in your relationship there. But unfortunately, we live in this world where people have weaponized this term, this idea as we look through it and know it. People have weaponized this text. That they use it to subjugate women. 
And I would tell you, Terry, today, any, any type of misuse or scripture is despicable, is deplorable, and is sinful. And we've seen this throughout time, how scripture has been used as a weapon against people, and none of it is good. We're not to read into the text. The text should, to, should read us. We should get our doctrine, our theology from what God's word says. We don't add or take away from it. We might not understand it. We might not even like it. But it's God's word. And that's what we abide by. However, instead of throwing the baby out with the bathwater, we need to understand this verse in its rightful context. And so according to the Bible, the man is the spiritual head of the family and his wife should uh, acknowledge his leadership. And if you remember our discussion from a few weeks ago as we talked about leadership, you would understand that leadership involves service. Then we're talking about, we're talking about leaders who get their hands dirty, who lead from the front, and not trying to subjugate or take, take advantage of the people that they're leading. They're, they're leading in the front and with love and care, just like Christ served the disciples, even to the point of washing their feet. And let me tell you, that's love. Washing the feet of his disciples, the husband, in the same way as to serve his wife. A wife's submission to her husband is, is not absolute, though. A husband cannot ask his wife to do something that is against God's word, something that is sin. Anything that goes outside of the will of God, that's where the submission would stop. Just like if we're taught, called to submit to governing authorities, but if, if the government tells us to do something that is against God's word, then you're absolved from that. You, you, you follow God. That trumps everything. That is your, our first and primary thing that we're following there. So a wise, Christ-honoring husband will never take advantage of his wife or abuse her in any way. Likewise, a, a Christ-honoring wife would also not undermine her husband's leadership. So when married couples refuse to serve each other, it causes this disunity, it causes friction within the marriage. And so now we have just super high rates of divorce, even among Christians, which rivals those who don't know Christ. I'm like, well, I just don't love them anymore. Things have changed. I just, I don't feel it. And they're done. Instead of working at it, instead of loving the other person, putting aside their preferences. If you've been through divorce, I, I, I understand that that is a tough and, 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 and challenging thing to go through. So that's why we are covered by the blood of Jesus, that we can go to the foot of the cross and be forgiven for even things like that should we repent and turn away. Finally, I also want you to note that Paul here is addressing the family. He is talking about husbands and wives. He is not saying that all women should submit to all men. He is saying that wives should submit to their own husbands. So uh, we could talk a, long, a lot more about this.
hopefully you have some clarity about this particular area and what that looks like for us in our own families, what it looks like for us in the church. But we're going to move on to verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He should love his wife he, should, he who loves his wife loves himself, for no one hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see she respects her husband. It's interesting to me that we spend so much time on verse 21, we don't bother to read the rest. We, we don't bother to look at what the rest of Paul has to say Paul is saying that wives should submit to their husbands. We actually meant that Paul spends twice as much time talking about how husbands should love their wives. That's how important it is. We get wrapped around the axle about, uh, uh, it's a, I don't think I should be submitting to my husband and things like that. But men, husbands, we have a great responsibility that shouldn't be neglected. How should a man love his wife? It, it, it outlines this for us very clearly. He should be willing to sacrifice everything for her. This is how a, a man should love his wife. A man should make his wife's well-being his top priority. Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> A man should care for his wife just as he cares for his own body. Surely you wouldn't abuse and beat up yourself. If we were to see a man like this today, we would, we would say that that man is treating his wife like a queen. Taking care of her, loving her. The husband is bound by love to ensure that his wife finds their marriage a source of fulfillment and being in joyful service to the Lord. This is our responsibility. We are to love our wives like Christ loved the church. And Christ gave up his life for the church. That's the type of love that we're talking about here. That's how important it is. Verse, chapter 6, verse 1. Children, listen up. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise 
that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. If our faith in Christ is real, then it will be evident in our homes. If our, if our faith in Christ is real, then it will be evident in our homes. Again, I'm not your outsourcer. This is not the only time of the week that your children should be hearing scripture. They should be hearing prayer. It should be natural because it should be happening throughout your days and times and throughout the week. It should be normal for them. Children and parents have a responsibility to each other Children should honor their parents, even if their parents are, they seem demanding and unfair. It's interesting, when I got into my 30s, uh, you know, with children, I, I just felt compelled to call my dad, and I called him up, and I said, Dad, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I said, for what? I said, because I didn't listen to you. All those years and times and you trying to tell me and put me on the right track and I just, I didn't listen. I know better now. He said, what happened? What did they do to you? <laughs> but I realized like my parents did the best they could with what they had and they had my best interest at heart. Even though I didn't like it at the time and I didn't understand, I didn't try to understand, but being a parent, I don't know, I see now I see. But likewise, parents should care for their children even when they are disobedient and unpleasant. Mm. Ugh, that's not, that's, I know that's tough. I know it's tough. But we should still be fair to our children. Ideally, Christian parents and Christian children will, will relate to each other in thoughtfulness and love. It won't be perfect. Because none of us are perfect. But we're striving to be more like Christ. Both as parents and as children. But again, our children need to have that model for them. You know, sometimes you need the Holy Ghost to, to hold your tongue when your, your kids are being disobedient. Right? They need to see that. They need to understand. And they need to understand why you're asking them to do. Not because... It's not always because mom and dad say. Sometimes it is. Just because I say so is a valid answer sometimes. <laughs> but sometimes it's because this is what God's word says. This is how God would have us to react in these situations. This is what God did for you. And because of that, what he's continually doing for you, this, this is what we do in response. So as we... We talk about this like we're talking about church membership but again the family is the foundation of the bodies of, of, of God the body of Christ what you do at home reflects how we live this out in church so I mean we, we, we can't take all the responsibility you are responsible for your family in ensuring that you're modeling and you're studying and you're praying and do all these things with your family in the home. 
Corporate prayer is a byproduct of prayers that begin in your home and your family. And it becomes evident when you spend time praying for the church with your family, what you'll find is that children develop a love for the church. When you're lifting uh, church leaders, when you're lifting up the, 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 the programs, when you're lifting up the, 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 the community, that has an impression on your children. And they also develop a love for those things as well. When you pray for other members of the church, your love for them will grow. But some of y'all don't speak to each other. But I wonder if you're praying for them. I talked a couple weeks ago about, you know, there's folks that annoy me, not, not here in the church. I love all you. <laughs> but out in the world and in my other work life, there's people that annoy me that I'm like, I don't know if we could just be in the same room together. But the Lord has impressed on me that, that I am here to, to live out what he's called me to. I'm to be a walking, talking testimony of who Christ is. I can't cut them off. I'm called to love them. To love your neighbor. And we get like the Pharisees, well, who is my neighbor? Like, for real, for real. You mean this, this, this guy, this lady that I can't stand being around? We're called to love them. And even more so here in the church. So as people that bug you, I hope you're spending as much time for them in prayer as you are thinking about all the ways they annoy you. About all the ways that they crossed you or said the wrong thing or whatever have you. I hope you spend just as much time, if not more, preferably more, on your knees in prayer for them. This is what's called for us in the church. For somebody to come in and, and off the street and and see that we got clicks and stuff going on and they, they see, they get this vibe like these folks in here don't even love each other. Like I could go somewhere else. They don't even practice what they, they say they believe. I don't want to be a part of that. So we need to be praying for the other members of our church and what we'll realize is that our love for them will grow. Yeah. That we'll understand like, oh, they're dealing with stuff just like I'm dealing with stuff. Their stuff is just different. When we worship as a family, what it does is sets the foundation and displays a powerful testimony for not just our family members, but also our friends. So if you got folks that are not in church and, and you're displaying this and you're having them over for dinner and you're displaying the love of Christ among the, your, your own family and, and extends to them, they're going to ask the question like, why? What, what's going on? Like, what, why, why can't you be so joyful? These psalms and melodies and all that kind of stuff. What, what's up with that? And you get to tell them about the goodness of Jesus Christ. And what he's done for you. As we're out in our communities, same thing. You get to ask the question, like, what's, what's going on? Everybody, everybody treats me so badly. But every time you come in, I have a smile on my face because I just love the way you treat me. 
Why? And hopefully build a relationship with them that one day they might ask, what must I do to be saved? How, how do I get to know this Jesus that you love so much? Wouldn't that be something? So as we think about how we got to be the people that we are today, also be thinking about how you're modeling Christ's likeness in your own life. Will people get to know more about Christ from, from their interactions with you? Or are you just like everybody else? What, is, what has the Lord done for you? And is that more than any, any challenge or bad day that you might have? And even if it's not, even if it's just a struggle, we still have something to look forward to that this life is not the end. If you truly follow Christ, have faith in Jesus, then we're, we're going to get to be with him forever and eternity. That's what we have to look forward to. There's nothing better. There will be no more anguish, no more tears, no more bad days when we get to be in heaven with him. So I don't care what kind of day you're having. That's what we have to look forward to. And that's what I'm, I'm anxious about. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you have not yet submitted yourself to Christ, um, this, this, is, this is why I'm here, is to help you understand what that means and what that looks like for you in your life. So let's have that conversation. I'm going to be here to talk to you about that, and I can talk to you later, and I can pray with you. Uh, or even if you're just struggling here, you know Christ is your Savior, you're just struggling in life, and you need prayer, uh, I'm going to be available. We have Vic and, and Lee and others that are here that would be happy to pray with you as well. So don't let this day pass without really doing it. Submit your life to Christ here today. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, thank you so much for helping us, helping us to see what you've called us to do and, and be for you. I know it can be tough in, in our own families. None of us have a, a perfect family. We all have our uh, different struggles that we deal with, difficult people. Help us to rely and lean on you for every moment, every need. Help us to look to you to guard our tongues and be the expression of love. Help us to demonstrate the, the fruit of the Spirit to those around us. Help us to rely on you and not get sucked up into the world and what the world would have us to do. But Father, we just thank you for being so loving as you've been for correcting us when we need it and for making it possible for us to be reconciled back to you that we would be able to spend forever and eternity with you should we choose to follow you. Father, transform us, transform our minds and hearts and let that be reflected here in your church at First Baptist Bolingbrook that people might know us for our love. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name.